Pandora makes it easy for you to find your favorite music. Discover new artists and genres by selecting any song or album, and we'll make you a personalized station for free. Download on the Apple App Store or Google Play and enjoy the soundtrack to your life. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. The first degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. Well, let me just tell you that I'm more skeptical than most, to tell you the truth. And I really don't believe things on face value. You know, you have to show me and I have to see it. And that's what kept happening with these cases. It would happen over and over again. And um, that was the main thing until I started coming around to seeing the coincidences. You know, I'm not a fan of coincidences, and I don't believe in them. You know, just breaking it down to, you know, brass tacks and face value, this is happening, and it's happening to this day. Okay. Hey guys, welcome to the first degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. I'm Jack Vanek sitting across from Alexis Linkletter and next to Billy Jensen. Billy's oh boying because we've already recorded half of this podcast episode and Alexis's computer took a crap and didn't save yes. anything. And I've always said anybody that's ever worked for me has always said Alexis they, they will they you. will be Alex doesn't work for me but they will you they, they know <laughs> I do work for you I know but they will say what's Billy's pet peeve and it's doing things twice they will always me- mention that you can ask anybody that's ever worked for me but you know what I'm gonna power through this because it's National Ken Day oh you just flawlessly transitioned I, that's into right that. and National Ken Day the only thing that I can think of which is a other than the fact that Ken is probably a serial killer in disguise, in that yeah yeah of course because he's also castrated. But the the Ken and Barbie killers, um, Paul Bernardo and uh, Carla Homolka, we had a first degree connection. We did. We had a first degree connection to them. We were talking to her. She was a kid at the time. She almost said- got abducted. Just, just got away, and then when it was revealed who they were, she literally could identify them by their faces. And also, she seduced us in our Facebook group and got us really excited about the connection, and yeah. then she ghosted us. So, if you're listening, write us back to us. Write Find back to us, us, please. I know we yes. want to do this case so bad, and it's a like an insane connection. Yes, it was a very good connection, but uh, it's also National uh, Donald Duck Day. I don't like that one. There's what's, another what's good one. Donald Duck? Because he's like not it? wearing pants. Na- national, op- uh, yes, but Winnie the Pooh doesn't wear pants either. Yeah, but he's chubby and wears a crop top. Oh, the crop top. Okay. I like anybody with a crop top, so yes. I appreciate Winnie the Pooh. I also do not like wearing pants. Was it originally a crop top and then he ate too much honey and then it became a crop top? Maybe. I don't want to shame him or anything. But, no, don't I mean, shame Winnie okay, the Pooh. Right. He's just living his best life. <sighs> okay. 
Uh, it's also National uh, Open Your Umbrella Day. That's stupid. In, we'll just skip that inside. one. Inside. No, it's stupid. No, no, no. Where do these days come from? Open Your Umbrella Inside Day? Yeah. There's more? More yeah. it. What? Wait, what's wrong with that? It's bad luck. Yeah, it is bad luck. So somebody obviously set that up just to either sell umbrellas or watch the world burn. Sell, sell umbrellas. <laughs> Jack, what's the question? Okay. Question of the day. If you were being executed on death row, what would your last words be? Like, what would your final sentence as you're about to... Why am I being executed? For d- murdering a bunch of people. You must have... Capital murder. Capital murder. It's the only reason they execute people. All I try to do is help people. So Billy, okay, oh, in this, this hypothetical is, oh, this situation, hypothetical. what would your... Oh. We did the question, what would your last meal be? What would your last words My be? My last words would be, why the hell didn't we save the first part of the podcast before it crept? <laughs> oh, That's what my last can't words would be. Podcast. I can't get over I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my God, Billy. Get over it. You're stuck here until we're done. done Mine would one. be... I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. It's a lady gang reference. It's a lady gang reference. But it's also pretty relevant. Or it would be um, YOLO. YOLO. That's pretty good. No. I mean, I'm not going to try to do something profound. No, you it's, can't do something profound. Yeah. Because mine would be like. You'd have to have a sense of humor about it. Yeah. Mine would be like suck at bitches or something. Yeah. yeah I'd be like. What? And then sorry, mom. One of the yeah. one of the serial killers did that, Casey said or somebody like that. No, no, said no. They didn't say second bitches. <laughs> they said kiss my ass or something along those. Oh, lines. really? Yeah. I mean, you really don't give a fuck if you're if that's how you're going out. Eileen Warno said some crazy shit like that, and then she'll be back. Oh, that's she cool. Will be I'll back. be back. I'll be back. That's and good. you say it like that too. Yeah, the the governator. No, she said it like um, uh, Vigo. What? And, what? In, in Ghostbusters too. Wait, I don't know yeah, the word. You know, see, see, Jared's <laughs> here, and Jared knows what I'm talking about. I think what we need Jared on this podcast what, because what sound was, was that you made? Vigo said, "That's you not know, what you time did." Time is but a window. Vigo. <laughs> now we're making. You said it. Fun, now we're I'm not making, making fun, fun of anyone. I'm saying your face went limp when you said I it. I saw that as well. It was weird. It wasn't a real word. It was like, it was like. A, it's like, like it's like you lost your <laughs> conviction to say the word halfway through. <laughs> yeah, you're right, because I realized who I'm talking to, and you guys wouldn't get it, and thank God today, Jared was there, today he's and Jared like, has me. Today he's like, what care? What what thing on your Care Bear stomach would you guys have if you were Care Bears? I'm like, what are you talking about? Okay, so. Wait, I thought it's kind of funny that you like literally didn't know what a Care Bear was. I How do you not ca- know what a Care Bear is? So obviously, if you're a Care Bear, you have a icon on your stomach that gives you power. So mine w- might be a uh, magnifying glass. That would probably be the easiest one. Yours would be... Mine would be... What's the symbol for zero sleep? <laughs> Just like <laughs> really red bloodshot Yeah, eyeballs. a bloodshot eye would be mine because that's me. Okay. And yours would still be Aperol Spritz? <laughs> mine would still probably be an Aperol Spritz because I'm really no, fueled... Or, or mine would be like, top. <laughs> no, or maybe like a palm tree. Like I'm really fueled to do my professional work for everything that's like not professional that's true yeah i'm fueled mm-hmm. by vacations see i'm fueled by this relentless desire to achieve everything <laughs> and not disappoint anyone and, and it'd be impressive have you ever taken the anagram did i tell you to take it yes you did but we haven't done it yet oh, and, and we know what we're talking about we'll do we'll do it next time okay well everybody should take the anagram by the way it is very interesting love it jared took it 
Hey, J- Jared's our special guest today. Sound he's engineer. not. He's not on mic though. Yeah. Now, now you know how a drummer feels. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> he's not allowed to speak now, and also not in our relationship. Hey. <laughs> okay. Let's get into the case, Alexis. So, we talked to you guys a little bit of last. Well, not a little bit about Todd Guy's case. That was the case we focused on last week, and we spoke to Kathy Guy, who was gracious enough to share this really traumatic experience she had in losing her son. And the thing is about Todd's death is that there are three schools of thought about what has happened. And one of them has to be true. When he died, it was categorized as an accidental drowning by the local police. But there are some odd characteristics about his death, which could suggest um, homicide. And one of those strange characteristics were the decomposition Mm -hmm. and where... I feel like that's probably the most glaring. It is probably the most glaring. And also, I mean, we have this strange thing with the dogs following his scent in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. You have where he ended up. It's a really isolated, challenging place to trek to on foot. You have a call in the middle of the night to a friend saying, I'm hurt in a field. Yeah. There is a lot of glaring. And the way the way he was found, too, in the water. He was standing upright, kind of bobbing like a buoy in the water. Um, So the other possibility is homicide. Uh, a single homicide. And the third possibility is that he is one of many victims of the smiley face killer, which is a theory that four individuals are, you know, rally behind. And those, we had the amazing opportunity to interview all four of these men for this episode. And that is Kevin Gannon, Anthony Duarte, Mikey Donovan, and Doc Gilbertson. And the first three I said are three retired New York City police officers slash detectives. And Doc is a professor at St. Cloud University. And he basically specializes in victimology and kind of um, grouping and processing data of crimes and the characteristics and also the geographical data associated with crimes. So we've got the four of them with us today to shed some light on why they are so vigilant about this theory. And basically our goal today is to present both sides and let you guys ultimately decide for yourself. And at the end of this whole thing, we don't know if it's going to be one or two episodes yet, Mm -hmm. we will share our opinion and what we're sold on and all of that. But we really wanted to leave it up to you guys to decide because there are... there's glaring evidence that support both. Right. So it's a very confusing situation. Right. And so the four guys that we had interviewed, they're spearheading this smiley face killer theory that has now been turned into a six part series documentary style thing on oxygen. And each of the episodes is highlighting a different case and it's showing you all of the evidence that, you know, is they're trying to point that these accidental drownings are really homicides. It's really interesting, and I highly recommend that everybody watches it. There is an episode on Todd Guybe, exactly. And Jack was the only one who watched it because she is a good I'm a, researcher. I'm a great researcher. And just to summarize some of the basic stats of this case before we get into it, most of these cases occurred between 1997 and 2008. And the bodies of 40 young white men were pulled out of rivers and lakes in more than 25 cities across 11 states. And for the most part, these things happened after situations where alcohol was served. Parties, bars, dinners, that sort of shit. 
So obviously Todd is one of these men that we're referencing in this kind of group. And these law enforcement officers, we're going to tell you how they got into it, the Catalyst case that drew Kevin Gannon in and kind of um, facilitated the deduction of this theory for him. All right, so we're going to hear now about how Kevin got sucked into this entire thing because there was one case that kind of started it all for him. Yeah, my name is uh, Kevin Gannon. Uh, I'm a retired detective sergeant, NYPD, uh, homicide. And uh, my relationship to the cases started back in 1997 with the uh, disappearance and eventual recovery of Patrick McNeil, the Fordham University student who drowned uh, after a night of drinking with friends in Manhattan and wound up 12 miles uh, away and was recovered in Brooklyn. And my investigation led me to believe that Patrick couldn't have gotten to Brooklyn unless he was uh, actually abducted and driven to that location and NYPD harbor units uh, and water currents uh, substantiate that information. So let's talk about Patrick. So he was very well liked. He was the captain of the Port Jester High School football team. He ended up going to Fordham University. He studied accounting. He was a volunteer at the Fordham Ambulance Corps, which is also up in the Bronx. He had a lot of friends. He was 20 years old, and he would do things like a lot of 20-year-olds like to do. He would go to bars, presumably with, I guess, a fake ID if he's 20 years old, and uh, just hanging out with friends. So on one of these nights which was actually February 16th, 1997 to be exact. He was bar hopping on the Upper East Side of New York City, and it was at a place called the Dapper Dog. And so he told friends that, uh, you know, he, was, he had an early class the next day, and he was like, you know what, I'm going to take a subway back. I'm tired. I'm going to go back up to the Bronx. A female friend says, okay, I'm, I'll go with you. Just let me go to the bathroom. She goes to the bathroom. He says, okay, I'll wait. She comes back, and he's gone. So after they find out that he is missing, more than 600 volunteers start a huge search for Patrick. They went to hospitals, soup kitchens, and ended up hanging more than 10,000 flyers all around the city. But ultimately, he wasn't seen again until April 7th, 1997, when his body was found 11 miles down river floating next to a pier in the East River near the Bay Ridge section of Brooklyn. And this was over 12 miles from where he was last seen. He was found floating in the water, face up, which is super rare for drowning victims. They did the autopsy, and it revealed ligature marks around his neck. And in his groin area, it showed that housefly larvae had to have been laid on his body indoors and under warm conditions, which is super important because this means that he was dead before he ever hit the water. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of strange things about this case. And... What's even stranger is that despite these kind of glaring characteristics of the state of how his body was recovered, the medical examiner ruled Patrick's death an accidental drowning, adding that the young man had a moderate amount of alcohol in his blood, but was not overly inebriated when he died. And I guess it's customary for them to not release the blood alcohol levels because it can change after death. I'm sure it's not super accurate. Exactly. And as, as things decompose, it's like you're... Things, the chemistry inside of the body changes as right. it decomposes. But he did say the alcohol level was more than a little and less than a lot. 
And I'm like, that's cool. That's probably the best joke you made all year, medical examiner dork. So the final autopsy report also revealed that McNeil suffered no broken bones, had trauma, or any physical injuries to his skeleton, essentially. And they said that this makes foul play less likely. Uh, He also showed no traces of drugs, according to the toxicology report. But again, they've already admitted that post-death toxicology changes. So there's a lot of scientific things here that are kind of like vague. Forever, whoever's perception of it is. It's like you can discredit these findings. Okay, then if there's no drugs in a system, but you said that you can't release alcohol levels because it it changes after death. Isn't that the same for drugs? I don't know. Right. How can you how can you rely on the fact that there's no drugs in a system? But anyways, so it does remain unclear no matter what you think about these findings, how this athletic 20 year old wound up in a river drowned. Ultimately, though, the manner of death was listed as undetermined. Well, Patrick's case was the first case when I was the supervisor in the missing persons uh, squad. And over the next 15 months, I had two similar cases of young men that disappeared after the night of drinking, um, had very little alcohol in their bodies, uh, behavior uh, exhibited the fact that they were possibly drugged, and then they wound up drowned. Uh, two of them in the same exact spot, 9 and 12 miles away, respectively, and the other young man in the... Uh, Uh, Hudson River when he was only walking across campus to go study for a test. So when I saw that, I said, I I figured that these cases were connected and we wanted to look at them, but NYPD wanted nothing to do with the fact of a potential serial killer in New York, much less the fact that since I only worked for the missing persons squad, once the bodies were recovered, my duty and responsibility was, was completed and it would be the responsibility of the, the precinct where the individual was recovered, which would have been one in Manhattan and the other two would have been Brooklyn cases. And nobody wanted to follow up on that. So I made a promise to the McNeil family and the Andrews family and Bender family when I retired that I would, you know, look into their son's cases and prove that they weren't just some uh, stupid drunk kids that got, that fell into the water and drowned. I made a promise um, involved. We know these cases are connected, so we're not going to stop. Well, I'm definitely not going to stop until I bring some justice, you know, to the victims and to their families. So Gannon promised to Patrick's family that he's not going to stop until he gets justice for their son. And he starts investigating the case when he retires in 2006. And he starts discovering a pattern. He starts seeing all these other deaths that are exhibiting the similar circumstances and characteristics to Patrick's case. So he starts mapping them out and says, you know what, I might have something here. So Kevin recruits his bestie and another former New York Police Department detective named Anthony Duarte, who I introduced in the beginning, to look into these cases with him and be kind of another boots-on-the-ground partner in investigating these cases. So in the case of Patrick McNeil... They reported finding copious evidence suggesting that he had been killed by someone, placed in the water, drugged, and they kind of deduced this based on some information they received after somebody reviewed some surveillance footage outside of the dapper dog. So it appeared that as Patrick was walking away, there was a car slowly following him and appeared to stop in unison 
with when Patrick was stopping. So this is kind of strange. But, you know, we were mentioning this earlier that this is one-sided information. If you have a car make and model license plate, how many people inside? I did hear rumors that there was maybe a male and a female inside. But did they... Who knows? Yeah. I don't they, know. It's yeah. it's very like, okay, you hear that and you're like, that's suspicious. But it's also then like, okay, really then give me more. After that, yeah. Yeah. Kinda so weird. It's, it's challenging though because this was in, you know, this happened in 97. Mm-hmm. So the fact that there was even this information available is insane. Right. Um, what can you do with it now? It probably wasn't sophisticated enough to figure out anything else about the car. And especially if you didn't start diving into this till the 2000s. I mean, it's old information. It's even harder and harder to investigate. So basically, based on this information, Kevin and Anthony concluded that McNeil had been stalked and probably abducted. So at this point, they're sure that at least Patrick's death is a homicide. And they thought, you know, there's got to be more. And we heard from Kevin earlier about like, then there was another one that was similar, another one that was similar. But, like, Patrick really is the case that started it all. Right. So Patrick's case was was the first, but they discovered that four young men who fit the same kind of pattern had been dis- had disappeared in the Minnesota and Wisconsin area over a 40-day period in 2003. So that's when they kind of really started working on this smiley face killer theory. And because the victims were so similar and died in really similar ways, and not to mention there was this smiley face graffiti around every one of these sites that the the men were found, Kevin and Anthony were now more sure than ever that they were chasing a serial killer or a group of serial killers. And they suggested that this smiley face killer may have been motivated to kill out of envy. So in 2008, Duarte claimed that the killer would be the opposite of the victims, not smart, someone that's not really good in school, maybe doesn't have a job, not popular, and he would lash out by drugging and murdering the men before dumping their bodies in the water. And, you know, the main reason that they're kind of like connecting all of these deaths together is the smiley face signature that is left at near the bodies. Right. Which is... Which we'll get into because we'll get it's sort into of, it. we it, it's of convenient. We got a lot of thoughts about it, but there is, there is more to it than that. I think that's convenient. And I think actually it's kind of hurt the case, Yes, but we'll, we'll, we'll get, get into there. it. So we will get and we, there. We mentioned this a little bit in the last episode, like right. kind of our thoughts on it. But yeah. um, I think it is important that we do talk about the smiley face signs that they're leaving because that is, that is the thread that they're weaving through these cases. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's one of the threads. It's they have many. We're getting we're getting there. All right. So, they start looking at the death of a University of Minnesota student named Christopher Jenkins. Now, he went bar hopping with friends, ends up dead in the Mississippi River in Minneapolis. He was found floating face up with his hands folded across his chest again, not a typical position for a drowning victim. Official cause of death, again, accidental drowning. But these detectives are looking at this, um, who are, you know, volunteering about this. They're not the official detectives, but they're looking at it saying, he fits the profile of our smiley face killer. And his parents didn't accept it. His mother, Jan, told CNN, quote, he was loaded into a vehicle, a van, driven around and eventually murdered. He was murdered and thrown away like a piece of trash. That's what she said. So awful. Awful. An informant 
finally came forward in prison and gave police enough information regarding Jenkins' death, quote unquote, the nature of that, well, parentheses, the nature of that death remains unspecified. <laughs> wow. That they officially changed his cause of death from accidental drowning to homicide. But that's probably important. Like, I wish I knew. And of, of course, they're, they're holding it back because it's an open investigation. Right. But we don't know what that is. But it would be really interesting to know. So if you know, if you are that informant and you're out now. Oh, and I'm sure you're listening to our podcast. Yeah, for sure. So nevertheless, the Minneapolis police came out and said that they don't believe there was a serial killer responsible for Jenkins' death or for the dozens of other deaths that both Kevin Gannon and Anthony Duarte, as well as a number of amateur internet sleuths, had folded into their smiley face killer theory. Okay, though, but we're seeing here, this is a great example of what we talked about in the beginning with Todd, where it's like, all these deaths, there's something wrong with it. It's, it's like, is it a homicide or is it connected? And this falls into their school of thought. The investigators here are like, we're reopening it. It's a homicide. Yeah. But we're leaving it at that. We're not gonna we're not gonna go a step further and say it's connected to anything at this point until yes. we have more evidence. Whatever. So let's go over this theory and hear from these guys in terms of the evidence that they feel corroborates their theory. Starting with this graffiti and this terrible smiley face moniker that's been assigned to this theory. We're not going to identify the group based on smiley faces. We needed a lot more information and the specific amount of graffiti that we have, which is 13 distinct pieces. Two pieces are totally identifiable to the group, and if I gave you the second one, you'd know who the group was. So we gave the smiley face as the most generic symbol. So to most people, you know, that sounds crazy. Like, who, who connects cases to smiley faces? They say you can have them anywhere. Not necessarily true, but when you have them right next to where a body is recovered or where a body went missing, well, then that is a little more specific. But again, we have 11 other pieces of graffiti that tie into it. So is it significant? Yeah, it is, because it's at, it's at the majority of these places, at these locations. I mean, we have the, you know, the Tommy Booth case. And Tommy Booth, the, the club where he went missing from and the stream where he was recovered, there was some smiley faces like looking uh, facing the stream from the back of the club. So you know, to me that was a little bit that, that was a little bit of a coincidence too. But the smiley face was named by the media back in like 2008, 2007. I mean, I mean that, that wasn't you know Kevin's name for this. But you know, he, the main goal here was to get attention, and 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 basically what we. With using the show as a vehicle, hopefully we can almost like try this case in the public's eye, if that makes sense. You know, we want the court of public opinion, but we want to, we're like trying the case, we're presenting our evidence. And if someone wants to dispute it, let them dispute it. We, you know, we feel that we have enough solid physical and forensic evidence to back up what we're saying. When I was growing up, I took French in high school, but I could never get the language to stick. I wanted to be fluent so bad, but it never happened. I just couldn't focus and I couldn't practice enough and it didn't work. But thankfully, there's Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program. And it's available on desktop or it can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone is different. It immerses you in so many ways. And with its intuitive process, you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, and then sentences. And before you know it, boom, conversations. 
Plus, with Rosetta Stone's True Accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the first-degree listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com first. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com first today. Pandora makes it easy for you to find your favorite music. Discover new artists and genres by selecting any song or album and we'll make you a personalized station for free. Download on the Apple App Store or Google Play and enjoy the soundtrack to your life. Okay, so it comes as no surprise that I have absolutely no idea how to cook. I don't want to learn how to cook. It's not really my thing. But when I tried Factor Meals, it was a freaking game changer. So Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So the first time I tried Factor Meals, I was actually blown away because I'm like, that's it. That That's all it is. Two minutes and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree50 and use code degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code degree50 at factorymeals.com slash degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's almost summer and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on therealreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. All right, so we heard Kevin and Mike reference the Tommy Booth case. So we're going to give you a little insight because this one does have some kind of alarming characteristics. So on January 19th, 2008, Tommy and his friends are going out for a night of drinking and video surveillance shows them entering this place called Bootlegger's Nightclub in Woodland. And, you know, him and his friends are going out, they're drinking, whatever. There's videos of him in there at the bar ordering drinks, but then no one ever sees him leave. So immediately... His parents organized search parties and it's January. It's in the middle of the winter. And during this time, the temperature dropped dramatically and there was a creek behind the bootleggers bar and it was frozen at the time. Two weeks later, a warm spell happens. It melts the ice and his body is found in the creek. The coroner ruled Tommy's death an accidental drowning. There are no signs of trauma and not even like a little bump on his head. 
And Tommy, again, he fit the same mold as all of these men. He was a healthy, robust young man. And according to those who were with him at the night, he hadn't have enough he hadn't had enough to drink to become disoriented. And Tommy was another one of the episodes on the Smiley Face Killers series. And during the series, they were talking about how a family friend... So they did all these search parties. But a day before his body was found in this creek, one of their family friends just searched the area around this bar by himself. And he didn't see anything there. And then 24 hours later, they found his body. Yeah. And again, this this is in Pennsylvania. So... When they find his his body, you know, two weeks after he goes missing, the medical examiner says that that they noticed a suspicious set of footprints near and, and sort of marks near the death site. So above his head and torso, there was apparently a drag mark in the soil with, quote unquote, possible foot slash shoe impressions on either side of it, which is according to the Delaware County Medical Examiner's report. And the mark was directed upstream from the current. So it looked like that Booth's body potentially had been dragged by its feet, um, you know, through the, through this creek, but by this unknown assailant. Still, based on, on the evidence that was there, you know, again, like you said, there was not even a bump on the head. The medical examiner rules his death like they did all the others. Well, he at least went probable drowning, but said, yeah, this is it. It's probable drowning. So on the series, Gannon and Dr. Gilbertson met with true crime reconstruction specialist Scott Roeder, and he ended up building a CGI model of Booth's death site using data from the creek and the autopsy report. They discussed the condition of Tommy's body after being missing for 14 days and quote, if you were in the water for 14 and a half days and you are in fact a drowning victim, the body would have a much different appearance. You would see excessive bloating, skin slippage, which Tommy Booth didn't have when he was found. And also when he was found, there was dirt, mud and clay in his nose and all on his chin, like possibly he was being dragged Dragged face down, face down through the mud. Yeah. And I think... I mean, you see this over and over um, in the ones that seem to be seem to have foul play involved. It's like this decomposition thing. And it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Like you can't dispute science. (laughs) You can't dispute science. You can't dispute insects, you know, infestation and progression Mm -hmm. in this at the stage, the life cycle those insects are in. Mm -hmm. You can't dispute that. So. A few times when I was doing some of this research, you'd see an article where they were like, oh, the weather, uh, it was cold that day. I'm like, there, I mean, there's been there's been cases where, oh, the weather was so hot that this would happen or the weather was so cold, it would preserve the body. Like in this case, you would think that because his body was apparently under frozen ice that now his decomposition would slow down. But it's that is like a black and white fact. Right. And it wasn't frozen. So anyways, so. Another thing about this particular case in this Tommy Booth case, there was fixed lividity on the posterior of his body, which suggests that when he died, he was lying on his back for a substantial period of time. They believe that there's no way you could be on your back on a hard surface if you're floating in a creek. And lividity, again, it's just the blood, the bl- everything yeah, is everything floating kinda, down yeah, towards everything goes the bottom down. of your, your, so if you die and your head is one is way, one way, or your arm is on the ground, 
the blood is all going to go there. You're going to see and the it's discoloration there. And yeah. it'll stiffen yeah. there. And it's not the same as rigor, but it's like, it's sorry to be graphic, but yeah, you, things kind of stick there. Right. And you, you get the stiff. The gravity is pulling it And a you get way, stiff yeah. in that area because your capillaries aren't moving your blood around anymore. So despite all this, the local law enforcement maintained, like Jack had referenced, that the, the creek froze over in the days. And they have, that was their rationale for why the lividity could not be relied upon and who's to say we weren't there but anyways scott roeder who jack referenced who actually did this experiment on the show said that was impossible the tissue in a frozen body is in the fatty tissues and so forth where the lividity is in the muscles and in the joints so the muscles and the joints i guess there's no fluid there so it wouldn't have been impacted by by what they're saying, by this freezing. Mm -hmm. And his, you know, his feet were in a position that, that showed that he, he might've been pulled, might have been pulled through the sand and the, uh, and the mud by his legs. But the cops that said that this was a probable drain and they clapped back on that. And they said that the drag mark could have actually been formed by the water coming around. Did you just say clap back? (laughs) Clap back on that. I'm a millennial. Like you're welcome, that. everyone. You're not a millennial. But okay. <laughs> what Billy would said was like, "I dareth you to <laughs> challenge thy <laughs> findings, scientific findings from the local okay. doctor." Clap back, Billy. But clap the cop, back. but the cops that ruled this case at probable drowning said no. They said that the drag mark could have been formed by the water that formed around Booth's body that created some sort of a sandbar. And that's not all. So Booth was in rigor mortis, and rigor mortis sets in around 8 to 10 hours out of death, and it stays for about 10 hours. If Booth was in the water, dead, for two, out, for two weeks, his body would have not been experiencing post-mortem rigidity. So I guess I have a question about um, rigor. About rigor. So if... D- so does temperature affect it? At all? Like, if the body was frozen, like, would rigor mortis... It would have to be, like, instantly frozen. You know, like, that's the thing. Rigor is, it sets in and then subsides with after 10 hours. 10 to 14 is Mm -hmm. generally the window. So the idea that he could be, two weeks later, still in rigor, is kind of unbelievable. Right. So if Tommy... If Tommy did go to the bar left by himself, accidental death, falls in the water, drowns, then is like, then it gets super cold, freezes immediately for two weeks. Then the water thaws out for that 24, they find him 24 hours later. Like, could his body still be in rigor mortis because it was being preserved by the ice? I don't think that's how it works. Like, that seems very far-fetched and super specific. That's just not how it works. Like, your muscles do, like, when you die, rigor is just this, this process that your body goes through chemically, that's just specific. It makes you super stiff for a minute. You can't move an arm, whatever. I just don't think, I think the whole thing would be sabotaged by being frozen. <laughs> and it may throw a wrench in being able to calculate time of death. But you also, there's no instant freezing when you fall into cold water. Right. You, it would have to be so you'd be, cold. Yeah. And you'd have it, to be completely immersed. If the, if the water was even freezing. Yeah. You don't freeze when you fall into it because you'll have a body temper- temperature. It'll be slowly declining. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, 
it's still hard to freeze. No, it's going to take a while. And we're not talking even about a lot of these cases that we're looking at are, are Wisconsin or whatever. This is Pennsylvania. So it's... And the water's not frozen. I mean, so the it's body cold, could but not it ain't, freeze. it ain't crazy. Right. Unless the, unless the water suddenly freezes overnight and it's like an ice skating rink and your body is stuck in the... Underneath two, the whole thing. Two feet of ice. Yeah. Not even the water below in it. Like, it's just so unlikely. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So... We, we just went over a bunch of revelations about this case. It's very interesting. They took all of this information, and the local police, which was the Willoughby police, asked to have the findings reviewed by consulting a forensic pathologist, a very famous one. And his name is Dr. Cyril Recht, who is probably one of the most famous forensic, one of the most famous forensic pathologists that there is. He works on the JFK assassination. He worked on the Robert Kennedy death. He worked on the Sharon Tate murder. He worked on the Menendez brothers case. And that's just naming a few. If you look them up, it's kind of unbelievable. So Dr. Reck took a look at all of these findings and the case and kind of the circumstances under which Tommy died. And he concluded that this is, it's highly suspicious and foul play is probably, you know, likely. And he agreed that the rigor mortis was one of the more compelling components of this case. Rather, he said complicating components of this case because it was categorized as a drowning. So, and he said, quote, there is no way in the world that rigor mortis remains fixed for 14 and a half days. It's not even a close call, explained Dr. Recht. He agreed that Booth's death should be reexamined, concluding... This is not a case that can honestly be ignored. So I don't know the science because I didn't go to scientist school <laughs> based on Jack's last question. But Dr. Recht, I trust. And he looked at the characteristics of his rigor mortis, the, the temperatures, the timeline, wrecked. It's wrecked. It is. It is. I mean, I've talked to him on the phone a bunch of times. So you can <laughs> All right. Wecked. Well, Billy's usually right with these uh, pronunciations. pronunciations, but I talked to Dr. Recht on the phone for my Menendez show, and he okay. he responded. All right. He might have been like, dumb bitch. You said it wrong. <laughs> That's but like when I, people are like, Jackie. I'm like, mm-hmm. You don't correct people when they call you Jackie? Depends on if it's somebody I give a shit about or not. Word. So. What about Starbucks? No. I don't, I, they call me Jaff at Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Yeah. I'm Philly at Starbucks. I love so. it. So. <laughs> All right, so what do we think about all of this? Okay, so what we've seen already is there's a lot of of mysterious deaths of a similar type of victim, which is a young, college-aged, actually going to college, kid, white, who has gone out drinking near a body of water and ends up in the water. And I go, whenever you find something that's like this, there's, there's, there's obviously a pattern. Now, is the pattern that somebody is going around, the gang is going around and killing all these people? Or is the pattern that these kids are having too much to drink and they're near water and then they're falling in? I don't think there's a gang, but there are some of these cases that something happens. When you're out drinking and you're at a bar and you know things happen people get upset oh, yeah. you talk to the wrong person you hit on the wrong girl whatever there's you know and the i think the uh, the idea of this whole smiley face thing i was in manchester 2 years ago and they have this thing called the manchester pusher 
And there's there's a lot of people who have wound up, and Manchester has a series of canals, and there's a lot of people that, that wind up dead in these canals, and they're young white men of oh. college age who just wind up in the canals. There's no no smiley face thing in there. Is it, but they're just they're just there. What are their are their deaths accidental drownings? They're they're labeled ruled? accidental drownings and they all had gone out drinking that night mm-hmm. and then, you know, the cops um, say that they're accidental drownings. Some of the people in the media are saying that there's somebody that's actually going out there and it's a lot more you can tell how different the British are than us, where they're just like, it's somebody just pushing somebody in. It's, right. it's a lot more proper than as opposed to this gang that's going around and doing this something nefarious theory, and, yeah. ta- and taking somebody to a separate location and then doing something to them for two weeks and then bringing them back to that location, the, the location that they originally found them and then, and then drowning them. So that's, you know, where I, I stand on this is that, the the idea that it, it's it hurts and it helps the idea that the whole smiley face listen we're talking about these cases which is great where some of them definitely are homicides homicides are definitely suspicious and need to be looked mishandled, into mishandled whatever because, you want to call it yeah because a lot of these places when you see you know when this happened you know the original case that they worked on there Patrick? were yeah yeah there were no this is New York. You know, this is the, he was in the Upper West Side. You don't New get, a more, in denser, you don't get yeah. a more denser place than that, uh, in America at least. And, you know, he winds up in the waterways by Bay Ridge, away. which is pretty far away. Not only was that was that the case, it was in a different jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. So the missing persons mm-hmm. case was filed with NYPD. Brooke, when a body ends up in Brooklyn, and this is something I talked to him about, was that he's like, you know, it's up to the jurisdiction with the body whether or not to conclude that it's a homicide and investigate it as a homicide. Brooklyn. Yeah. So, yeah. And he was, he wouldn't even, he was missing persons detective. So he's like, I wouldn't have had the, the authority to do it, which is why he promised when he retired, he would. Right. You know? So there's some, there's something there. It's not at the, you know, when you throw around these numbers, 40, I've seen the number 75. I've seen the number a hundred. I haven't seen over 45. I've, I've seen it. Well, yeah, people, th- people, th- I mean, listen, but you're they're like, tossing around you Google, though, so. like you go down web sleuth holes though. <laughs> but here's the thing too. I mean, okay. When, yes, there are so many similarities between all of these and a lot of it is like a college age white man that went out drinking that ended up found like drowning and was labeled accidental death. You could find thousands of those. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So well, it does happen. Well, I don't know if the, dr- you know, I've never heard of one personally. Of somebody and leaving a party, fine, or bar or dinner, and ending up drowning in a lake. Who didn't? Do, if they weren't heavy drug user, users, if they weren't that intoxicated, right. if they could walk, I haven't heard of them. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I, I haven't heard. I mean, obviously, they I obviously heard of them either, exist. They obviously exist. So it's like you can kind of pull together as many people and as ma- and as many cases as you really kind of want interesting to. Interesting is like I feel like I've heard of other stories like that, like. People who can't swim, mm-hmm. people trying to kill themselves, who take a bunch of pills and then left a suicide note and get washed away. Elderly people. I feel like I have heard those. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of somebody, Deciding an able-bodied 22-year-old with their we, wallet in their pocket. Leaving, leaving a, a social gathering in good spirits. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, and then... Being found in a body of water in the opposite direction of where they were going, mm-hmm. um, and then the circumstances of their death is strange. Yeah, I, I mean, the idea of 
waiting outside of a bar for prey. We saw this in Charlottesville with Jesse Matthew. So he got at least two women, and he may have well got more, that were intoxicated, that were coming out of bars, or one was coming out of a concert. With Travis Forbes, mm-hmm. and yeah. this is this—you know—you're you're sitting there, and you actually see the the video of Hannah Graham walking, and she's a little tipsy, and then you see him like walk past her, then turn around, and it's just so chilling. Ugh. This is th- that's what reminds me of this, and is it is there a you know a person that is going around and looking at that and waiting for somebody to come around? But with those cases, there's obvious trauma. Uh, their clothes weren't there. They they were they were beaten horrifically. They were sexually assaulted. Yeah, we are not seeing any of that stuff there. So what is the what's the motivation for the killer? Is it just death and nothing else? And that's that's you don't normally see that. You don't see death without any sort of trauma. Well, we get to theories on motive soon. <laughs> And our guys have theories. And Don't I actually jump ahead of yourself, Billy. No, but it's a it's a great it's a great question to ask. And at that, I think sorry guys, I do think this is a two parter. And we have a bunch more cases and more evidence and more things to float by you in part two. Um, and we get into that. They have theory on motive and they have evidence to back that up. In fact, I do think one of them refers to it as kind of a, a form of t- domestic terrorism like you're taking out these guys are engineering majors and doctors and lawyers and it really is kind of like the elite next generation is what Gannon has found and that many of them are kind of what people would want to emulate I don't know and they said that there are a lot of similarities in terms of like courses of study and major that these guys had and they may have called it a hate crime so there is a lot here and they're not totally wrong i'm not saying that it's a hate crime i'm saying they're not wrong in that actually that's what these people were majoring in which is true yeah so that's why uh interpreting this evidence is so important because you can't call it crazy if you see on a list of 20 names and 20 actually are that well, that's something to be considered. And right. again, not saying the smiley face killer thing is real, but there's something to it. If Even if it's a matter of saying like, hey, this guy who's in is more vulnerable. This, this man, this archetype is more vulnerable. I don't know. Yeah. Because there are so many um, characteristics that these guys share. So you don't have to believe in a serial killer, but you can believe like, hey... A lot of the, I mean, I haven't heard of college age women turning up in lakes. You know, there's one thing that, that I remember somebody saying, and it was, it was a columnist for, um, on Milwaukee.com, a guy named Eugene Kane. And he said, let me find it. He said, I've been warned in the past not to talk about a serial killer of white men in Wisconsin who prey on drunken college age males in order to find a way to drown them in a river. But he said, I'm still intrigued why black males who drink a lot don't end up in the river and why that particular racial angle seldom gets discussed, which is true. I mean, is it just white males? Is it not white females that are getting too drunk and, and walking and in, in, in hitting the river? It's, well, I've never heard of it. It's, it's weird. 
you know what? I mean, there's definitely something here. If anything, it's a it's a, a health issue that that needs to be fixed uh, on, well, on college be, campuses. It might be but... a merging of health and like societal. Mm-hmm. Because another thing that I want to touch on is that like, and we'll touch on this in part two in a more in depth way. But women are warned their entire lives to watch their drink, to travel in pairs to have a buddy system to call your friend when you get home like that's a given with whenever jack leaves my place i'm like text me when you get home like it's just what you do and she does and we know we're both alive it's great and i don't think men are taught any of these things um because there's just this assumed safety yeah and there is a specific case um that I don't think that we're covering it in this podcast, but is one of the cases that they covered in the series. And there's a specific instance where if this was a group of women and your friend was this certain thing was happening to your friend, you would react in a completely different way than a group of men would. And it would have probably saved her life. Not to say it wasn't the the group of men's well, maybe- fault that was with them, but if it was a group of women, you would not leave your girl your girlfriend in a state that well well, there's a few instances where you know hey wait for me i'll be right out of the bathroom um we'll all walk home together and people can't find him and they leave even todd guybe he calls a female friend in the middle of the night i'm hurt in a field she doesn't call the cops or his mother or a friend or other mutual friends or anything she just says oh that's alarming but he's a dude he's probably but Fine. if your girlfriend called you saying you're lost in a field, you'd be like, what the Not fuck? Not just lost, hurt. Yeah. And then hung up after a whooshing sound happened. So I think something, whether or not we get to the bottom of the smiley face theory, which I don't think we will do, I think the bigger conversation is there's something suspicious about these. And whether or not it is a serial killer, there is something really diseased about the trend and the similarities between all these men, you know, whether it is a serial killer or it's like they fall victim because they haven't been taught because of society to how to protect. They don't feel vulnerable. You don't yeah. feel vulnerable. No, when you're a 20 year old or 21 year old man, especially these are, all, these are all manly men who can wrench on trucks, who are yeah. athletic. No, you think you're invincible. You are. You are invincible and you're out on the town and you're drinking and that's it. So we've presented a lot of evidence to suggest that definitely something is amiss and something is awry in these cases. And in many of these cases, because again, these guys, these four guys are not stupid. We're dealing with three retired detectives and a victimology criminology professor. So these aren't Webster's. These aren't these aren't armchair detectives exactly. that are on Reddit that are trying exactly. to solve some and, and crimes. Even conveying this evidence publicly a lot of it looks really bad so it's kind of easy to just agree that yeah these cases at the very least were mishandled at the very worst they're connected yeah but you know i think there's a spectrum we're all going to fall somewhere different based on our perceptions of what's happening here not to disparage the armchair detectives on Reddit, but yes. Because Billy's like the you. crusader, for the, the crusader for the armchair detectives. detectives. As long as they follow the rules. Well, and like don't dox people. You can read the rules if you actually order my audiobook. 
Oh, Chase tell Dark. us about Chase, the audiobook. My right? audiobook, Chase Darkness with Me, which is available right now on audible.com. And if anything, you should order the audiobook because Billy gives me and Alexis a thank you. Yeah. I do. Wait, where? Is it in the audiobook? Because my mom it's wants not, to read it. It's not in the audiobook. It's in the hard copy. But, but I'm go- it's, it's in the hard copy, but I will. Uh, yeah. And what I say. You're like, I, I wait, channeled. Tell us you wouldn't, will you tell us what you say? No. Oh. No, I'm going to wait for you Why? guys to read it. Because so you, you want us to fucking buy, buy one. Yeah. <laughs> I will. I'm literally, we'll buy it just You'll for the You'll buy it just you. for that. Just wait, for when can I get you. the hard yeah. copy? Not for a while. You don't but have you a date no, no, the hard copy is August uh, 13th, but Great. we want everybody to buy the audio the audiobook. We need to get Billy on the best seller list, so pre-order the audiobook now. That's right. And he's he is uh narrating the whole book himself. I narrated the whole book myself. It took 18 hours. It was supposed to take 24 hours, but it took 18 hours because I'm that good and I didn't have anybody <laughs> interrupting me. Also, I will like say Alexis and me. <laughs> Billy when I was I was doing a lot of writing previously. Billy really gave me, I mean, he's incredible. So I say this not even in mockery, which would be my norm. Billy's a solid writer. It's going to be an incredible book. I'm going to order the audiobook just to support. Thank you. I guess I will. But too. I really want the Thank hard you. copy. You'll get, you'll get a Can hard copy. Can you give copy. me a free hard copy? Yes, I'll give you a free hard okay. copy. If Sounds you, like a deal. Yes. But he's a solid writer. Look at all his old, weird, old fucking articles he's done for Rolling Stone, <laughs> for Luca Magnata. The, the I mean, Luca Magnata one was amazing. They all speak for themselves. So you guys will be super excited to read the book. Yes. Well, I'm glad that we gave you a plug. Thank um, you. Thank hashtag you for the plug. unpaid endorsement. Yeah. Hashtag unpaid endorsement. I know. Where's yes. my ad money? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to finish, pick up on the second half of Smiley Face Killers next week. But if you want to get your fix on more of these Smiley Face Killer theories, uh, the whole series is on Oxygen right now. It's very good. I highly recommend it. Um, And if you guys are connected to a murder or other Stranger Than Fiction story, please write us. We want to hear a story. We want to tell it. It doesn't matter how small or insignificant that you think it is. Those are actually the stories that we prefer to tell. Also, we're going to start doing quickies, so small stories will work for us. Yeah. Oh, we got. Oh, so we might start doing a quickie episode. We got to call it something else because that's what I call. We're not calling it a quickie, but like we're copying the quickie. True crime related. All right, we'll we'll take your suggestions. We'll take your suggestions and also, um, I don't know what I was going to say. So lock your doors and turn your lights on. (laughs) We need to flush that out too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Follow us on Instagram at the first degree at Alexis Linkletter at Billy Jensen at Jack Vanek and keep your friends close. Jared Maine. Not that close. And Jared's here too. (laughs) Bye. Keep your friends close. Not that close. Happy frozen Donald Duck Day. Happy open an umbrella on Donald Duck Day. Pantsless Day. Pandora makes it easy for you to find your favorite music. Discover new artists and genres by selecting any song or album, and we'll make you a personalized station for free. Download on the Apple App Store or Google Play and enjoy the soundtrack to your life.